you know, you're saying buy cash flowing assets, right? That's your like your model. You want it to buy to be cash flowing, but like, you know, I- I'm willing to see the potential in a project, like you know, this extreme value add, this new build that we're doing. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It show, where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome to another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. I'm your host for today, Sean Graham, and with me today I have a good friend of mine, Dr. Jordan Capper. Jordan, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, Sean. You are a good friend of mine. We, uh, I don't know, it's awesome to be on your podcast, man. We were friends since we were little kids, and uh, yeah, still, still in contact, still working together, and now doing your exciting podcast. Uh, I guess we're gonna learn how to crush it. Is that the plan? Yeah, man. Uh, that's the that's the idea. You know, we kind of we bring different different guests on here. We have different hosts, and we just talk about different. Um, different sectors of real estate and how to be successful. You know, you can kind of be successful in whatever asset class you choose. Uh, there's money to be made in all of them. So uh, obviously you and I have self-storage in common. That's what we'll talk about. But before we get there, let's kind of go through your story a little bit, right? So you are, Jordan is an ER doctor uh, in Pennsylvania, and you have gone, right, the um, the high income earning w2 route and slowly you've transitioned into being an entrepreneur right and so you've worked your butt off uh to get to where you are at and i just want to kind of tell the listeners more about you and how that transition had happened so let's kind of go back and start start with the medical school stuff yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned like I went this route, right? This like ER doctor, W two route. I mean, to me, I, I obviously I'm surrounded by it, but to me, I see it almost a little bit as a cliche, right? Or like not in a bad way, but I mean, this is like a known path, right? You take that W two, you you go down the route of education. Um, I mean, medicine is is an incredibly linear path, at least in the beginning, right? Like. You're starting off with college, well, starting off with high school, then you got to pick your college. You know, you're still kind of open there. But once you decide on med school, I mean, effectively you're locked in. Um, You know, there'll be some folks that'll deviate to a degree, but in general, you're doing your four years of med school. uh, And then after that, you're picking your specialty, right? So you do your med school training and then, you know, whether you want to do ER, internal medicine, surgery, whatever, um, that's another three to five years. So again, very linear. Um, And what you learn during that time is, well, surprise, in med school, you learn about medicine and in residency, um, you learn about medicine in in a more applied way. Um, you learn what it means to to be an ER doctor. I'll just talk from you know my standpoint. Um, and you you really kind of focus on on a very specific set of skills. You know you, you don't learn excel necessarily in the emergency department um, right. you're not looking at pro formas. You're not uh, balancing a spreadsheet or looking at a P and L. Um, 
you just don't do it. And, you know, you do learn some things that I think apply a ton um, to self-storage specifically. In the emergency department, you learn customer support, um, you learn how to interact with customers, uh, and you learn tons of problem solving. Um, so, so yeah, I took that kind of standard route medicine, which I'd assume a lot of the folks listening to this podcast, you know, ER doctors or just doctors in general, this is a, I'm sure other jobs uh, are interested in real estate but then the physician community i mean you know i got docs messaging me you know every couple weeks hey you know i'm doing this new side gig or um there's a whole community of physicians that are involved in you know other business ventures um so yeah i kind of took that i guess you could say almost cliche route is is what i would say i, I graduated med school, went to residency up here, learned how to be an ER doctor, uh, which is an absolute intense and exciting world. Um, after I graduated, I started a startup company, Carinade Health. Um, we help patients and families find home care. Um, a, a healthcare startup versus renting sheds <laughs> to <laughs> folks that need to store their stuff and right. i kind of say that like in a joking way right but like it's so different you know a startup is incredibly complex and it's not to say that self-storage isn't complex but you get where i'm going here it's like a startup company within the healthcare arena um with literally unlimited uh possibilities and and funding and and so many ways to explore the market is incredibly complex from that had trouble with during the covid times um basically kind of have that set on autopilot it didn't scale to the billion dollar company that i wanted it to be um kind of pivoted to to real estate uh through the classic again i say this almost in a cliche way but it's your classic house hack to multifamily burr um then getting involved in some syndications. From there, actually got a group of doctors, accredited docs together, um, and we invested in, in a syndication as well um, through a platform called TribeVest. Side note, I'm a big fan of that platform for group investing. Um, kind of allows groups, whether it's your family or friends or whatever, to all um, form an LLC together and invest um, to co-invest together. Um, there's a lot of docs interested, you know, in in investments other than just the stock market or or whatever. You know, they're interested in these syndications. So, um, got that group together, and actually, I'll give you a link to my TribeVest um, affiliate link. I'm a member of the Founders Club. Basically, use my link, and you know, helps me out a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so did that, and then got our first facility uh, that was with the lovely Sean Graham. I think. <laughs> I think you guys know him. Um, I was, was and is still an awesome experience. Um, a lot to dig in there, as you know, Sean. Um, bought a second facility, what I would call an extreme value add. And Sean and I are, and I, I talk about Sean, you know, like I know Sean a lot, right? And um, we're different in many ways and similar in others. Um, my second facility was an extreme value add. I think our, our contractor told us he hauled out, the final number was something like 26 tons of trash or something like that. Wow. Or so, I, wow. it, it might have even been 36, I forget. It was some ungodly amount of garbage. It's from crazy, this, like, man. Yeah, so it's gonna be uh, an awesome 
I think it's going to be an awesome deal once once you know it develops a little bit more. But an extreme value add, and now doing a new build um, in Indiana. So, kind of nice, your man. your yeah your standard route there from house hack to to commercial. Nice, nice, awesome. So, uh, okay, let's go before we even jump into the self storage stuff so much. Let's rewind a little bit. Um, let's go back to beginning of the pandemic, right? So. I was at that time before the pandemic started. I was helping you a little bit with uh, with Karen Aid, right? Like with accounting and yep, and yep. finance over there. And while you know I myself was focused on real estate, and at the time I was still a W two W two earner, right? Before I lost my job. God bless. And yep, God bless. Right, glad it happened. Uh, so then I switched into that was when I started focusing on on self storage, right? Like like full time. But um, I think like a huge part of your story, which we kind of skipped over is just the pandemic, man, like COVID, like you are, you were an ER doctor in the middle of the pandemic and the stress that you were going through, right? You know, you're making great money. You were working overtime shifts, but in the beginning, you don't know what's going on, right? It's like, you're telling me the percentages and it's like, yeah, maybe the flu kills like half a percent a year, but like COVID was killing like one or two. I, you have to tell sure. me the stats, but yeah, the, yeah. the point was that we didn't know what was going on. You were in the thick of it, right? Like yep. down on the ground level, you yep. have a wife, you have a little kid at home. You don't want to bring home, get them sick. Um, and you also, you worked a ton, man. You were, you're trying to make money, right? Work overtime, get the shifts in. And so you could kind of build up and do other things. But tell me, tell us about that, that stress and those times. I mean, well, yeah, you're kind of spot on. Yeah, incredibly stressful. Um, and, you know, that's a real concept. Like, you know, what, what are we talking about here? We're talking about, what's the name of it? The Gentle Art of Crushing It. And I, I love that <laughs> title. It's like you can crush it in so many ways um, and some of the ways crush you, you know. Uh, and I think um, ER is is – uh, right now, they actually are number one for what they call burnout. You might have heard this concept before in medicine. Um, and burnout is this idea of like, you know, you, you basically worked so hard um, and you've seen so much stuff that you're like burn out, burnt out with with your practice. And that's no good, right? Um, you got to have that passion. I mean, working as an ER doc, I, you know, some of these like seasoned docs, they've they've seen so much. You could see it being like oh just another day in the office but i mean i look back on even just a regular shift and the things we do in the emergency department are they're insane i mean they really it's it's amazing and this isn't to just like you know toot my own horn or whatever but like you're like oh my god like i i from you know a, a person with a stuffy nose to a massive heart attack to a stroke to somebody that's going to die within like minutes if you don't you know put them on a breathing machine i mean it's 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 really quite amazing what we do um but uh, that can that can get to you um there's well, also yeah well, well, well it put, puts it into perspective too right because like i'm getting stressed out about self-storage right i'll get st- st- stressed out about property management you know, but it's not life or death. You know, like I'm I'm home. My my wife is happy, my and healthy. My son is happy and healthy, right? And but like your job there literally is life or death. Uh, there's no two ways about it, and that's what being an ER doc is. So I mean, so much respect to you, but it's just 
it's crazy when you think about it. It really puts everything else like real estate into perspective. It's like, hey, this is this is easy. This is not not complicated. Well, it, well, you know, I got a couple of things to say about that. One, I actually would kind of say that, and this isn't to downplay real estate because there's so many moving parts and it and there's so many things to do. But I think self storage by itself, managing and running a self storage facility, actually isn't that complicated and i hesitate to say that but um from from interacting with you especially sean and seeing like your ability to to operate and your ability to like focus on on all the little problems um and then taking that through through my eyes as an er doctor um part of our job is like to to avoid problems that may come up right like as something is happening say somebody's needs a breathing tube um i have like a little teaching point that i say if, if we're going to put in a breathing tube uh, in somebody i want all my instruments basically all laid out mise en place meaning everything right in its place like it comes from these it's like a french cooking term you know on the cooking shows where they have all yeah. the little all the little spices already in a little bowl it's like you don't have that at home but when i intubate I want everything mise en place so that I have everything ready so that nothing can go wrong. So, you know, I look at self-storage through this lens of like taking all the little problems, whether it be, um, you know, uh, accounting and you're just an unbelievably talented accountant. And I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, okay, apparently accounting is, is this skill and, and, you know, you can take all these little tiny headaches that can arise and you can organize the accounting and you can set up set up all the QuickBooks and set up all the bank accounts and have it so that it's no longer a problem, right? The accounting is mise en place when Sean takes care of it. Um, the, the customer workflow, right? From I remember when we first got our facility, I called, and, and this gets to how I troubleshoot in the ER and how I'll teach residents. It's like, I want you to see the way what is going to happen to this patient next like okay this guy three steps ahead i want you to think three steps ahead on what we're what problem we're going to run in we're going to run into in this guy who maybe has afib and his heart rate is 160 and we don't know what caused it i don't want you to just slow his heart rate down just yet i want you to think about what might be causing his heart rate to be fast and, and it it's like you take this thinking multiple steps ahead and you apply it to self-storage i remember our first call center remember that and and i called and, and I understood the whole customer flow. I went through that customer journey myself, and we found multiple tiny little issues. But those issues were causing a significant reduction in our conversions, right? Like folks right. were calling and then dropping off, and our conversions, boom, popped up a ton after we fixed those little problems. So to, anyways, to get back to like merging these two worlds, right? Emergency medicine, this like kind of insane lifestyle of being an ER doctor and doing these crazy things and then this problem solving kind of mindset that I'm in in that job and then taking that to self storage it's like I think you can perfect self storage to some degree right it's not a massive sure. um you're not running a hospital right how many moving parts does a hospital have I don't know uh, unlimited i mean an insane amount right the amount of workers right. in a standard much less a hospital network right there's how many roles are there like thousands i i don't know and each role has so much subtlety to it well self-storage yeah it's not it's it's not a cakewalk but like how many moving parts does one facility have 
25, 30. You can make policies, procedures for each one. You can perfect every single little nuance of of all those procedures and you can have a facility that runs like clockwork and so it's like that's kind of what excites me about self-storage like getting these things running well well, that's why that's what i love about working with uh you know more analytical people like you right like as a doctor you are like everything you do is systematized there's policies and procedures right like standard operating operating procedures for everything and why not go take the, that same practice and just apply it to your business, right? Everything is just about, to me at least, it's about, okay, can we automate this or delegate it, right? And can we systematize it just to reduce stress, right? Like it's not like everything, and again, I keep bringing it back to this topic of stress, but it's like, you know, we, we live this life one time as far as we know, and we want to have fun with it and we want to do well and we want to enjoy it. Um, and so if we can put these procedures and policies and um, systems in place to reduce that stress, well, yeah, it's a lot of work up front to make it happen. But then when you happen, everything else is so much smoother. And that's what allows you to scale and to quickly grow and go on and do the next one. So I love working with you. And that's a big, big reason why we connect yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's funny. Like, you, you say policies, procedures. I mean, five years ago, I would have, I, I would have said I hate those words. You know. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of folks would understand where that kind of comes from. Um, you know, and it's not like I've, I have a background of working in big corporations, but you understand how bureaucracy, this concept of bureaucracy, can be very detrimental. Um, and you see that in healthcare for sure. Um, where policies and procedures become a self-sustaining like entity uh, uh, on their own, and they actually um, inhibit or like they just pollute the entire operations of a, a company or whatever. I mean, think about government too, right? Very similar type thing. It's government grows bigger and bigger, and, and you have like so much bureaucracy there. Um, self storage, on the other hand, I, to like hammer down that point, it's like. I think you can really – it's so small of a, a business, not necessarily by like revenue or size, but you get what I'm saying. Like there's so few moving parts compared to a government or a hospital that you really can make amazing policies and procedures. Well, so it's leverage too, right? Like as we have gone on, uh, we have found so many, so many ways to outsource and to leverage work, whether that's – team members, whether it's virtual assistants, whether it's just companies that do certain stuff for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just makes it, it just makes it way, way easier. And I don't, when I say policies and procedures and everything, some people might think like, oh, well, that's so complicated to put together. I, I just, you know, those come with time, right? You kind of like you learn the business and then you just, you know, a lot of times I, I do something, I record myself doing it. And I pass it on and I say, hey, let's this watch this. If you have any trouble, let me know with the questions and they can go back, repeat, watch it again and again and again until that person has the task down and they no longer need to ask me anything, right? But it also allows us to, to train people and to go on and uh, for them to train people and it's passed on continuously uh, and that kind of allows us to, to grow. So, um, 
Yeah, anyways, let, let's transition here. So you, uh, we entered right into Farwell Storage together. And uh, this was, uh, I had Matt on the show before and we talked a bit about this facility as well. Matt, Jordan, and I. Awesome, part- awesome guy as well. Yep, we're all partners on this this deal, and Jordan, you brought us together. So we're all from the same area originally when we were uh, when we were young, but um, I didn't know Matt, but I know Matt very well, very well now. But uh, I told the listeners on the last podcast that you know I, I searched for a year, year and a half to find my first facility. It wasn't an easy gig, right? And I also had the stress of. You know, I, I was fired from my job and I was looking for that, that first facility. I was looking for that first opportunity. I didn't have a big nest egg of money set aside to go buy something either. So uh, we put together a game plan and it was to go find something that we could do and we could you know work on together. And um, we decided to go and use SBA money. And SBA allows you to, uh, it's a high leverage loan. Meaning they'll finance. I think that we got up to ninety percent um, financing on this this project, and so it also allows you to include, you know, it's the purchase of the facility, uh, working capital. So we added like a few months of working capital. So, you know, if we had any issues, we had cash flow, um, we had reserves. You know, so we weren't like any negative cash flow in the startup phase wasn't uh, a problem for us in the turnover phase. And uh, we also, it also allows us to, after a certain amount of time, I think a year, we can expand and grow more. So we, we bought a storage facility that really it was pretty stable. There was a little bit of value add, which we've, we've done. You know, we've increased rents probably 20% on it uh, since we purchased it. But the real big value is uh, expanding, which we will we'll go into, into um, next. But I, I guess... Entering into that, like, what were your thoughts on just getting into into Farwell, right? Because in the beginning, even though it was a small facility, like we're talking twelve thousand square feet, this first facility, um, it was intimidating. You know, I didn't live next to the facility; it's two and a half hours away. You're living in a different state, uh, and Matt was living on the other side of the country. And so, you guys really took a leap of faith too, with with me because we played different roles, right? And yeah. But yeah. we've made this thing happen. I mean that that first deal. I, I, you know, I think we were talking about this episode ahead of time. You were telling me some things that we could talk about, and the one was like, you know, what? Tell me one like success that you had, like your favorite success, and like this is what I was going to talk about. Um, you know, doing this deal with you guys, and like, it, there's so many. I mean, there's so many things to go into. Like one, just like from the pure taking a step back of like. your whole life and maybe like this self-storage podcast is gonna get like really like cerebral and like uh, emotional or something like that but like (laughs) dude i love doing this with you guys this is super friggin' fun man um it's like matt one of my my best buddies you a a longtime childhood friend we're all like in different parts of the country and now we're gonna like do this self-storage thing together and i mean of course I remember me and you talking about like roles and you know establishing roles is always a very important thing in business, of course, to 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 one establish them so there's not like confusion there, um, but also to like uh, under to delegate work things like that. And I remember like you know what is what am I good at? You know how can I contribute? You know I 
very passionate about SEO and operations, things like that. You, the best accountant I ever met. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and then, uh, I don't know, man. Um, but like the other thing is what one skill that I definitely know I have is like bring people together um, and to see sure. to see the skills, right? Like to see the skills that you have. Like I'm not just saying, oh, Sean's a great accountant to just like say that because I'm, you know, this like super like high emotional IQ guy that like is like throwing compliments at you. Like, no, dude, I see you as almost uh, – uh, the Ronco grill, right? Remember that thing? Set it and forget it. Like you're the set it and forget it of accounting. Like if if you're delegated an accounting task, like it's not even. It's literally out of my mind. I, I don't even. You know, well, it's, it's a simple like self storage is a simple business model, right? Like you only have so many moving pieces, right? We're not we're not selling inventory. There's no raw materials. There's no uh, like. It's just it's just simple. We're not making any like crazy product or food or outsourcing labor. Um, we're just renting sheds. That's what we're doing. So yes. it's not complicated. I came up with that renting sheds. But renting sheds, exactly. I love that. Um, but I think to your to your point is that it's you know just having the QuickBooks together, having the budgeting, the financing, the projections together, like that goes such a long way, right? And it's not overly complicated, right? And so like, okay, I have an advantage. My background is accounting and finance, but if you're entering this industry and you want to do it, I mean, you want either partner with somebody who already knows the stuff and knows it well, and there's plenty of people who, who do and groups who do, or two, um, go hire it, right? Like, yeah, both of us, right? We can all, all, all work together. But two, like, go go hire it out. Like, if that's not your skill set, that's that's fine. But the important thing is to have that stuff together and organized and kept up on an ongoing basis. And really, that's why I entered the field of accounting. It's not because I'm not, like, passionate about accounting. I'm passionate about business and building businesses and real estate and uh, building building equity. But what you're talking about, although it, like, it, it might sound a little bit complex, it's just, it's just the language of, of business, right? We are in a, a revenue game. It's a revenue game and it's a cash flow game, right? Most businesses fail because of cash flow problems. So that's the first thing is like projecting your cash flow and making sure that you know, you are staying cash flow positive and you have the right reserves. And it's really not that complicated if you do things correctly from the beginning. Um, but a lot of businesses fail because of that. And then uh, two is just having, just like I said, having everything together and organized. And that's the, that's the language of business. Oh, that was the other thing. It's a revenue game. So we're always pushing revenue, right? Like, I, I like to take the approach of, um, I've talked about this before, but it's, it's less of a scarcity approach, which I take to like, hey, how do we minimize all these expenses? And it's more of an abundance approach of, okay, let's, how do we invest in this? We'll take on more expenses to increase our revenue, right? Because if we can just, if that's a net positive, right? If your revenue, if we can increase it a little bit more and make our lives easier, right? And our, and our expenses 
only go up so much, right? Less than less less than what the revenue is going up, then we are adding value. You know, r- real estate is looked at on on cap rates. So uh, every dollar of profitability uh, or net operating income that you're adding, you're adding ten to fifteen to twenty dollars per that dollar of value, right? Yeah. So yeah. It, it makes a huge huge difference, um, and it's just something hey. that keep track of yeah you you know going back to like my mindset during that first deal um and this also segues to like what i'm doing now with with my partner ben with investing storage you know we we buy storage facilities rehab them but we also help first-time storage owners like build their facilities through partnering with them and and it kind of takes me back to like the beginning of that farwell deal and like bringing this kind of crew together and like you know, uh, I remember talking to my dad's a, a amazing custom home builder, so he knows like, and he does these like beautiful multi million dollar homes in Florida. So he like knows all these like very successful folks. He's like, you know what? Talk to this guy, and he, I remember he sent me to this this real estate um, real estate guy, this guy that did like multi family homes, stuff like that, apartments, and I remember him saying like, you know what? You, you never partner with anybody. It's just it's just always bad news. And I'm like, oh, right. man. You know, and he took this, like, that kind of stance. I'm like, geez, like, this guy, he's worth, like, whatever, you know, 20, 30, 40 million. And he's saying, no, I'll never partner with anybody. And here I am, like, you know, coming out of med school, not, you know, being insanely business savvy. And I'm like, okay, let's partner with two other guys. And um, it, it, it kind of makes me, like, think a, a couple things. Well, one – it's okay to partner with people. Uh, two, you know, your kind of uh, abundance mindset that you're honestly, you're kind of like slowly, I don't, I don't know if you're doing it purposefully. You're convincing me of this concept like every day. And, and just <laughs> this, this framing um, of like this concept of this abundance mindset, right? Like it's not all about just nickel and diming every tiny little thing and, and worrying about these little you know, worrying about some little expense. Of course, we're not trying to blow our expenses up. It's like that goes without saying, right? Um, but yeah, just like thinking, you know, how can we grow together? Again, you gotta def- you gotta make things nice and tight legally, of course. Um, but like, yeah, let's go into a business model together with Matt and Sean and I. That's very straightforward. We all know our roles. We all have the same goals. Um, why would anybody why would any of us do something ridiculous and blow this deal up and like i know your personalities too and maybe that's a thing um knowing the personality of who you're partnering with but like it's that abundance mindset that me you and matt have and and my partner ben who's also a a badass er doctor honestly um with investing storage um my other partner like yeah we're all on the same page we all want the same thing um we want to like run some awesome self-storage facilities like that's really it so i mean that's what we do you know if we there's no point in like petty squabbles or like uh, i can think of the times me and you have disagreed over something and it was like literally just a disagreement about the probabilities that a certain action would have an effect and like that's and whether each of us had the same risk tolerance to take an action like if we up rents this much are we going to see a ton of move move outs 
and you know or are we going to see not so many and like how risk tolerant are we to increase these rents and so it's like it's not even a real disagreement it's literally just like right. a a different slightly different assessment it's not some like core you know disagreement on the 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 f- foundation of how a business should be run like it's literally just a statistical whatever you know yeah. um and so we kind of share this like same mindset now now you're labeling it right this abundance mindset and and that label kind of has formatted it in my mind or like solidified it i don't know so yeah it, going back to to the very beginning i think this deal just taught me so much right first first big deal operating it myself bringing together a team with all you guys and like it's been it's been super awesome, super fun. Yeah. No, well, thanks for touching on the uh, the mindset part, right? Because that is, is one of the themes of uh, the podcast, and it's also just something that's so important to me, and it's just helped me grow so much. It's really like living in that frame of where you want to end up, you know? Like, if you, if you live in scarcity, like, that's what you are going to attract, that's what you're going to experience in the world, right? So if you, like you're, the guy said... Um, never partner with anybody. Well, he probably hasn't had great uh, experiences with partnerships. Now, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know. But um, if if you're going if you're going to think like that, and that's your take on the world, then I really believe that's what you're going to experience, right? And same as the opposite. You know, if you believe in you think that you will have great partnerships and you do your due diligence and you partner with the right people, then that's what you will experience as well. Yeah, maybe it also gets to like this this idea of like different people having different skill sets too. You know, maybe the guy just, he isn't good at setting up partnerships, but he's really good at running deals by himself. Like, so for him, it, he shouldn't partner with people. Um, and, and that that like gets me thinking like, in the beginning of this deal, I just when I started the real estate kind of career, I, I there's so many things you don't know, um, and this feeling of these like unknown unknowns or even the known unknowns, the things you're like, oh, I don't know this, I don't know the details of all these different types of funding, I don't know like the subtleties of SBA funding that we're plowing forward and going through. Um, hopefully, some big thing doesn't pop up, which I think we did. We had the one little thing come up. Remember, like the. Uh, the, how we were going to um, have the extra, like, what was it, with our, like, the extra capital that was needed. Um, oh, yeah, we had beyond, to, um, right, right what, you it? had to put up one of your, your properties yeah. as collateral. You had to yeah, sign on, what, like, yeah. uh, uh, a rental property that you had as yeah. collateral because they, you know, it's one, SBA is weird. It's one of those things where, um, you know, they only, rec- like, I think it's, don't don't quote me, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but they'll do up to 90% uh, loan to to value or loan to cost. Um, and But if you have an extra 5% of equity, they make you sign it over as collateral or put it up as cash. But if you don't have it, then you don't have to. So the fact that you had some extra uh, collateral in a rental property Basically, if we wanted that 90% leverage, like we had to, you had to sign it over. So it was either that or we put up more money. And you looked at the, the, um, the risk of the whole project and you said, okay, that's fine. Like it's not a, you know, yeah. not a big deal. And 
um, you signed it over, and that was that was huge, though. It was, I guess, I, I don't mean to minimize it. It was a big a big deal because that's what helped us keep the deal and together. We had, and, and we had a team that was like all again all on that same page, you know. And so, like, that is a skill set of mine is like seeing you know this team as being like okay we can deal with you know these problems that come up we'll figure it out we're all on the same page like it's going to be good um and you know i think that's going into going into business going to real estate self-storage like and coming from the physician back end like that's a skill that i have is to say like you know what do i know what don't i know Mm -hmm. and how can i one like figure stuff out if it goes wrong um, and deal with problems that come up. That's super important. Um, And as a physician, not with any like major formal business training, how can I acquire information quickly about a topic that I'm not completely familiar with? And that that's oftentimes through partnering with people or bringing folks onto your team that know more than you. Um, and I think sometimes this gets said in in like kind of a congratulatory manner, but like surrounding yourself with really good people is such a real thing. I used to think yeah. people just said that to like pat their buddies on the back, but it's it's so important. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, risk tolerance and how that has changed from you, right? So you've gone from. Like, hey, this is pretty nerve-wracking. We're going to sign on this little facility uh, in Michigan and uh, learn how to run it and add value to it to, hey, you're buying a facility. I think you and Ben bought a facility uh, without a traditional mortgage or loan, and that needed a complete, like, rehab, right? Like Extreme value add is what I call it. Extreme value add. So tell us more about that project that – you and Ben are, are, are so, doing and working on how it's gone. Yeah, so, well, risk tolerance. You're talking to class at 2017 crypto here. So um, <laughs> if, you, if, if you're in the crypto world, you kind of know what that means. And so, you know, risk tolerance is like, um, for me, I don't even know. I don't know what no. that means. I'm not in the crypto world. I, yeah, so I, it I, basically means I've gone through like, ah, like, oh, just a, you know, like a uh, just a casual eighty percent drop, you know, in the market. Okay, so we're talking about Bitcoin going up and down, and it's, it's just like super volatile. Standard. Yeah, yeah, but believing in the the underlying fundamentals of a project. Okay, but but again, so so this concept of like risk tolerance is a kind of unique thing um, because from that standpoint, I guess uh, you know I to diverge to crypto, it's like I believe in the underlying fundamentals of cryptocurrency. Like I see it, I've seen the growth for long enough to say this is going to stay, um, barring some insane technological change. And so like I'm willing to invest in it because I actually think the risk is very low. Mm, so, you know, what is risk tolerance? I don't, you know, I don't know um, exactly. But like from the self-storage standpoint, um you know, you're saying buy cash flowing assets, right? That's your like your model. You want it to buy to be cash flowing, but like, you know, I- I'm willing to see the potential in a project, like you know, this extreme value add, this new build that we're doing, um, to see that kind of potential in a project, to have confidence in what we're doing, um, that we can get this thing up and running, and like really kind of have it take off. And so, um, the the facility in Arkansas, so it's this old 
kind of dilapidated facility um, that was not really occupied by anything other than garbage. Um, and so Ben and I bought it. Uh, we Ben went out there, um, looked at the facility, got a feel, brought a contractor out there, gathered as much info as we could. So it's like in this due diligence phase, we tried to take away as much risk as we could. Obviously, you do the demand studies. And, and you know, for the non-self-storage listeners, um, kind of the basics of, of a self-storage facility and like, you know, 30 seconds is, um, you, you, let's say you're buying a facility, like, like you want one, Sean, or we can just take mine, right? It's like, all right, so it's a hundred units just to make it easy. What's the demand in the area? Um, are all the other facilities in the area completely a hundred percent occupied? Um, and you know, there's no spots available at all. And they even say, oh, we got this wait list that's super long. So you manually call all these facilities. Um, it's like, okay, there's some demand there. And then you can run these specific numbers on demand. Um, and then you, you look into the actual building itself. Is there major construction issues that are going to go on? Is there any chance there's like, is it in a flood zone? Um, you know, is it in a super high crime rate area? Whatever. All these little things. You're like, okay, I think I have a good feel for this facility. I have a good feel, and I have the numbers to back it up. You have um, the data. You know, it's it's a game of supply and demand. Is there is the demand? Does it outweigh, or is it at least equal to the supply that's there? And yep. that's a huge decision making. Yep. And so, you know, for Ben and I, we looked at this facility and we liked what we saw. Um, right. It was an, it was a super ugly facility. It was in really rough shape. Can you um, give us numbers? Like, I, I guess I'm wondering, hey, when's the facility, when was it built? You said dilapidated. Like, how bad of shape was it in? And I forget what year. I forget it, what year is actually built. So the whole thing is 103 units, um, completely unoccupied. Uh, so we brought a contractor out there and we tried part of, like, when it's in that rough shape is to get a good feel for the rehab that's needed. Right. Um, and, and it also gets to this other concept of like um, pre-purchase due diligence. Remember our, our very first deal we ran, Sean, where we did due diligence for like eight months straight and never yeah. closed on the deal? Yeah. that That's not good. And we spent, you know, a couple grand on it. I know that's not an insane amount, but you get what I'm saying. Like The time you know, spent was just... Yeah, it is. It yeah, but we Big. learned. Oh, huge! I mean, that was amazing, right. right? That was a great, great experience. But like, you don't want to do due diligence forever. And so we're negotiating on this deal, trying to get price down. Um, brought our contractor out there uh, and tried to get an estimate for how much the rehab would be. So our Ben walked this property with a contractor extensively tried to get a feel for every single you know the doors there's money there we're probably going to end up spending like 25 grand in doors um you know the roofs that those have a problem he the contractor ended up being this like small town jack of all trades guy that could handle all these um little problems with the facility and you can tell by how how this guy's talking that he knows what he's talking about he's like oh yeah that roof right there i'll i'll fix that right up um you know we can do that for three grand i'm like I'll take three grand. It's like, oh yeah, well, you know, we'll get this all cleaned up here. Oh, this electric, yeah, I'm a master electrician. I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. He's like, yeah, I'll get that. <laughs> and then he, you know, he starts talking about, oh yeah, we do we this right here. We'll rewire that to there and this to here instead. That's a much better idea. That's way better. Get the box here. Well, yeah, we'll do that for like you know three, four grand. I'm like, okay, that's not a hundred grand. I'll take that. And this is a risk tolerance thing, right? Right. Because 
in a in a facility that's extreme value add like this one in Arkansas, who, who knows what you're going to come across, right? So to me, and to me, the difference between me and you, right? Like you got our Farwell pro forma, which is how you perform is how you're looking ahead of time. Like, oh, I think it's going to make this much. I think the expenses will be right. this much. Our Farwell pro forma didn't one of the months you got it within like a dollar or something. I forget. You were like, in, you're so close on the pro forma. It's uncanny, right? I don't, uh, that, it's amazing, right? But for this deal in Arkansas, I don't need the pro forma to be that number because you just can't predict it. I don't know, you know, right, every right. tiny little thing. You're full of crap if you really think you can predict all these expenses. I mean, I try my best. Of course, we're running detailed numbers here. Um, we're not just willy-nilly doing it. But at some point, the ER doc takes over and you say, you know what? Let's just do it. I, this isn't going to cost more than 50K in rehab uh, unless it, the thing explodes, you know? So what you – like – Going into this, right, it's not a, it wasn't a bankable asset, right? Not a bankable business. It wasn't cash flowing. It wasn't really making any revenue. And what do, what did you end up buying it for? It was a few hundred thousand? We got it for 260. Okay, so yeah. 260, right? A little this, over 13,000 square thir- foot. 13,000 square foot. What's yep. your, your I think end our- revenue? Like, what, what do you think the revenue will be, you know, kind of like stabilized value? Let's say, I don't know what year that is, three. Yep, yep. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that we end up and this again gets to this idea of like what do you think it can actually be? I would be happy um if we can hit uh 7500 per month. Okay. And um, so you and you bought it for 250 260 and you're putting what 50 100 into it? What is it? Uh it'll end up being about mm, depending we're finishing up gates right now that's our final quote uh or our final like job that needs to be done but yeah, roughly we'll say 50 50 to 55 50 to 55 okay yep for and an then, extreme rehab yeah, and see, a lot of that was hustle to find awesome subs okay um, so you're, you're investing no. you're going you know all in and you're investing three, a few yeah three yeah, three ten three fifty yeah okay and so what do you see as the end value of this thing and when will when will it happen um worst case uh, you know i say it's worth and this is how ben and i looked at this deal it's like okay is this going to be worth 650 worst case you know because uh, we're gonna we're gonna be cash flowing very strong um but you know depending on how the market goes with inflation and um you know how much we can charge for these and we actually have really good one mile demand um we, we kind of like are the only facility within this one little neighborhood um so if we can really fill up and push prices you know, I think it could be worth 750 um yeah. which is which is awesome right right um and it gets again to the risk tolerance right i go into a deal with you with farwell where i'm like okay Sean knows these numbers, like he's just gonna tell me exactly what it's worth versus another deal that I do, like this one, um, where uh, the numbers, yeah, sure, I can dig into every little thing in the pro forma, but you can't tell me really what it's gonna be worth. Nobody within any decent spread of probability. The way I looked at this deal, and we, we approach every deal separate, the way I look at this deal is like, what's the worst case scenario? And we pulled the trigger on it because we got got it for such a good price, and it's such a good size facility for that price. Um, and, and then again, worst case, you know, six hundred, six fifty. We're not gonna, 
lose our shirts on this no, deal. No, I mean, <laughs> even, even if it didn't reach that amount, right? Like, you, it, it's in such better shape than it was when you, when you bought it. Um, you bought it uh, at, at what? Like, I mean, if you're in it at 300 and, you know, it's like less than yeah. 30 bucks a square foot, less than replacement yep. cost for the, the whole yep. thing, right? Um, and you're, uh, it, like, it's going to be worth more than what you're putting into it. And even if you don't make a ton of money on it, you're learning so much and it gives you so much confidence going yep. forward and, and doing the next one. And uh, the upside is, is really, really high, you know, like as inflation happens, as rents go up, um, it, the thing could, I wouldn't be shocked if in fifth, five years, right, you might reach a million dollars or close to the va- you know yeah. in value of that that facility. Um, so, how has it gone so far in terms of terms of operations? Are you done with the rehab? Where are you? Are you just just about being done? We're probably going to have our opening within the next couple of weeks here. Okay, so you're um, not renting units yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Um, but the the rehab's gone really well. Um, and like you know, I I have my dad who is like our contractor for investing storage right. capper construction um you know i'm not a gc um nor is my dad a gc like nationwide right you got to get your you got to get your license in every single state that's not always feasible so no matter what you're doing you know you're you're having to find unless you're some big huge you know you're worth hundreds of millions um even some of these guys are still trying to operate in a certain area and they send their guys out within a radius like you know, we have to find subs and find a GC uh, yeah. in in a specific area, right? And so doing the other like calculation that went into this deal was like, okay, this is a small deal. Let's let's kind of get a feel for one of these like hard rehabs, kind of like worst case, like let's make it hard. Um, ben and I were doing this first deal together. It's like, let's make it hard. Um, and so we learned a lot about finding subcontractors and working with a contractor and like that role like our contractor he had a hard time uh finding a door person you know and so i took that over and i called you know 20 door suppliers and finally got one that would come out within a reasonable amount of time that was going to charge a reasonable price The, the the door person actually came out looked at every single you know of the 103 doors looked at every single one and like gave us a quote for every single little thing they were going to do to each door um and you know that was not something that my GC was good at. Whatever he just didn't want to call twenty people, so it goes. Yeah. Um, and so you know Ben and I also saw that as like you're saying a learning experience and um, making it really hard that first time. And now you know we can tackle any any rehab easy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep, I, it's it's awesome. The confidence you are gaining with that experience. Uh, is worth that that's invaluable that's something you can't really put a price on is that experience and that confidence um, so i, I want to switch uh a little bit and ask you a few questions that uh kind of like to touch on with with the listeners and that first question is you know let's go back to uh 18 year old uh jordan capper right finishing uh finishing high school i think you did the Maybe was it like the IB program, and you went through a tough high school. Uh, and then you went to University of Florida, like yep. very prestigious school in Florida, hard to get into. But what do you tell eighteen-year-old Jordan? Like, was there anything that you would have done differently to fast track success? 
Dude, that's that's so that's such a tough question, right? Because it like touches <laughs> it on uh, other than he's been like buy Bitcoin, you know? Um, right, right. But but what, that's speculation. That's just I, I mean, right? I know, I know, and that's why it's like so hard um, to say like what what would you change? Um, and, and I think I think an an answer to that is like you know try because I, I went this medicine route and. and it's hard to say, would you go back and have done it all again? And, you know, uh, the classic answer is, oh, I wouldn't change a thing. It's like, well, why not? You know, is it really, <laughs> are, you know, because there's something, oh, I, I'm just so happy with my life. Everything's perfect. Like, I would never change a thing. Like, oh, whatever. Like, okay, I get that mindset a little bit. But, you know, maybe I would change a couple of things. Um, and I think what I would do is, you know, tell myself to, to explore these alternative like skill sets right um again medicine is incredibly linear um and so i didn't develop these skills until after residency right business you know even even just learning something like computer programming or um, understanding real estate like if i would have gotten my real estate license for one year you know, outside of high school, you you would learn. I would have learned so much more. Obviously, I lean very heavily towards real estate, um, but I'm surrounded by people that have done other businesses, docs that have started. Um, like Ben, my partner, he has a, a very successful ER staffing company, a locums company. Matt, our other podcast guy, you know, he's built um, and sold video game companies, um, right. like full companies. And it's like, I think I would have told myself, look learn another skill because um, I had the bandwidth and I had I, I think the intelligence to learn something else just to kind of see because at 18 you know I didn't come from a family who you know had this a huge huge business mindset that could explain to me all these things um, you know my dad runs an awesome custom home company um, but you know he he I wasn't learning pro forma and accounting and like, you know, sourcing deals and financing deals. I wasn't learning these things. Um, and, and as I get older, I like see, um, how important it is to like see the world a little bit through this lens, through a business lens. It kind of changes how you view everything. Um, I don't know. I look at everything now a little through a different lens, I think. Um, so so I overall you're saying no, you would have educated yourself a little bit more in some, uh, like some subjects that you just weren't focused on. Which is, yeah. I mean, like you are, you know, to to do what you did. I could never have gone down the uh, the med school route. Uh, I tried that a little bit in college, and it's like quickly, like, nope, I'm one of those kids weeded out. You know, I'm not going to be. Uh, in the classroom full of 500 people in biology, I'm not going to be the one getting an A in that yeah. class. And you, you were, man, and that's that's not easy. That's not easy to do. So, like, to go ahead and take on another another skill set while you're doing those things, uh, that's it's that's tough too. I think it's like also. I mean, I, I just see the world in such a different way since I learned more about business. I mean, and, and honestly understanding business and you know through the lens of real estate obviously and, and starting a startup company like understanding business is understanding how a significant portion of the world works right, um, right. understanding like digital marketing is understanding how a significant portion of the world works like right. 
there's and so you know maybe my answer to your question is kind of like learn more about the world um but uh, you know i didn't really know how to learn more about the world i didn't understand all that was out there and so i learned a ton about a very specific part of the world but like like i'm saying with digital marketing dude understanding digital marketing is understanding why every day every time you're doing this right here on your little screen and and you're being fed all this content like understanding why that content comes to you and what platforms are pushing that content and and the you know way these platforms are monetized can really change how you see the whole world like oh, know, yeah. when i'm when the algorithms are pushing me content like there's a certain kind of uh, I don't know, a certain way of looking at the content that you see every single day, knowing it changes how I see something on my phone. Like, you know, YouTube pushes me something, Facebook, Reddit, whatever. They push me this content. Google pushes me stuff, right? How we look at our search results. And like knowing this business side of the world, how it operates, like I look at stuff through that lens and it definitely changes, um, changes like your politics it changes your scary it's uh that's how this the country and the world has become so divisive is because you're constantly fed information that's reinforcing a certain mindset to kind of take a step back and trying to be unbiased and uh take a more neutral approach and understanding um different sides it's it's tough to do but i think the biggest thing what you're saying right is you you have to be aware it, like just being aware of the information you're being fed and know that biases are being uh, fed to you continuously, that's the first step. That's a, that's a huge, huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, you know, the learning something new can help you when you learn one thing, it helps you to learn more, right? Like right. It, just focusing on medicine i got really 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 good at medicine and but that's really all i knew but then once i started to learn a little bit about business and finance and real estate and then it's like all these things kind of branched out so i spent a significant portion of my life like locked in to one specific thing and like as as i mentioned before like it's awesome like the stuff we do is amazing i still love working in the er i mean just insane awesome and and you really do affect people's lives to a huge degree um we obviously yeah. save people's lives but like can touch them in such special ways some little tiny change that somebody needs help in their time of need and so it's awesome um, but again very focused um so if i by learning if i would have just learned one or two more little things maybe i would have blossomed into the flower that i am a little bit sooner um yeah that's that's my answer to it it's a good answer, man. It's a it's a long one, but yeah, it's keeping an open. It's always mindset. it's always Continu a long answer. <laughs> just just continuing to learn, continuing to learn. That's that's what it is, and uh, I think it's a good thing for everybody to be open to it. And it's not something that ends now. Now that you're in business, it'll just go on forever. And something that you'll teach uh, Jordan Junior over there, your son, and um, it's just a yeah. good good habit to have. So. What? Go go ahead. I was going to go to the no, next question. I was, no, I was going to say, like, so with this concept of learning new things, um, I've learned how to learn in medicine. And that's kind of what Ben and I are 
focused on now, we kind of stumbled across this this model where uh, I had put it out there, um, you know, like half six months ago, eight months ago, that you know we will Ben and I, um, you know, with our experience, will partner with first time self storage folks, um, and it gets to this idea of like wanting to do something, but not necessarily being nervous about it, which nerves are a thing, but just knowing like, man, I just don't have all that knowledge that I need. It's like the known unknown. Shoot, if I run my first facility, there's so many things I just don't know, and it's just probably not going to go well. And so uh, um, with the deal, the new build that we're uh, putting together right now in Indiana, um, you know, that's one of those deals where we're partnering with this first timer. Um, this guy nice. had already done a significant amount of development on a property. Um, and, and so interestingly enough, I just kind of put that out there and I found that, hey, there's actually a, a significant group of people uh, of possible investors or developers that oh, yeah. have land. And they're like, man, I, I've always wanted to build a storage facility, but I'm just I'm worried about it. I, I don't know how to take that first step. Um, and so that's something that Ben and I are kind of like leaning a little bit more into because we're seeing so many of these like interesting deals out there. Not really something I had thought of within the deal flow pipeline until I just said, eh, why not? Let's try it. Um, so yeah, it kind of gets to this like concept again of how do you take that first step when you don't know something? Um, Partner. That's where, yeah, yeah. Partner, leverage experience with other people. That's, that's how you you grow, you know? You don't have to have every skill in the world. Uh, there's other people who do and are willing to enter into projects with you. So you don't have to do everything everything yourself. And that's how we've both grown together and uh, on, our, on our own as well. So um, what is, do you have any, you mentioned... You know, I would like to touch on uh, any tech recommendations, like anything fun, anything that makes your life easier, and then a yep. uh, book recommendation that you might have. And I know with the tech, you did mention in the beginning the TribeVest.com, and that, that is yep. something that I think is pretty cool, and uh, we will add to the that show notes. I- yeah, definitely add that. I'd look into TribeVest. Um, you can form a you can form a group of investors uh, and invest in whatever you want. You know, you you want to put a group together of all your family and just invest in stocks. Sure, you want to put a group of your family together or friends and family, and you want to invest in self storage with uh, Sean Graham and Maven Equities. Go ahead, do it. Um, it super cool little platform. Um, other two recommendations. Um, this is like my like little. Uh, little secret here um you can offer for self-storage owners you can offer Noonlight, um which is an app that it's like a personal safety app you can offer this for free uh, they also have a paid tier you can offer Noonlight um for free to your your uh customers i actually um i was talking to my wife about how to improve our facility and she said well hey you know i worry about safety a lot and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, hashtag male privilege. I didn't think about that too much. Right, right. Um, and uh, and she's like, yeah, that's a that's a big deal. Um, like, huh? Okay. So I started looking into it. Came across this platform, Noonlight, which allows you to install an app on your phone, um, and and your customers can install that for free, and they can hit like an SOS button and get connected with their. Um, with their uh, noon lights like um, help center and they have a lot of different resources 911 if needed or just their help center and then finally my last one this one goes out to uh, uh, goes out to a special friend of mine that uh, 
isn't too tech inclined, a little something called G Suite or Google Google Drive. There I'll recommend go. I'll recommend Google Drive to uh, well, you know who you are, my friend. Just learn how to do it. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I love. Google hey, Drive. that's a I real use it thing. Or just getting uh, getting a little more tech savvy can help you in a lot of you know a lot of different things. Just organizing stuff. Uh, it's kind of a right. joke, but it's well, what, also whether serious. it's Dropbox or Google Drive or another platform, Box.com. It's just having your documents and uh, just systems like everything is a, either have it in folders on your own or you have it in shared drives with your team members that everybody can can access you know i'll throw out one that you introduced me to and that was lastpass.com that that's changed everything for yeah. me man i've really embraced lastpass.com so now i i don't all my passwords are more secure right i generate like new passwords that aren't just like you know it's not like password one two three right it's sean like, graham one two three <laughs> yeah it's actually like a real real like just random passwords with symbols and stuff in there um and uh random letters but you can also create folders and share that with team members right or certain ones that you want on your own that makes things so much easier and more secure and so i want to say thank you for yeah. showing me that one yeah book recommendation one, you have anything all right, so I know everybody's gonna. I just gotta. I, I gotta do it like this. So everybody is gonna recommend some like business book. Um, I'll do two. Okay. So business one of my favorite. Something outside. Well, I'm gonna do a sci-fi book first. All right. Okay. <laughs> everybody's everybody's gonna everybody's gonna be like you know rich dad poor dad or whatever. Sorry yeah. if, if you're the guy that says. So you're that. going for Twilight? But, um, huh? Is that your thing? Uh yeah. The Twilight series, <laughs> a lovely tale of uh, a vampire, a dog man, and no. Um, the Three Body Problem by Shishin Liu, which uh, is my absolute favorite uh, sci-fi series of all time. Mind-blowing, mind-blowing sci-fi. Um, and then, okay. okay, fine, I'll do a, a business one. Um, there's a book called The Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, which basically, um, well, you can read it, but the kind of underlying concept or overlying concept, whatever, is like providing really high-quality services um, and how providing an awesome awesome product can be like the most important thing in business and um you don't always have to uh you can still do the right thing in business i guess is what i'm what i'm getting at like you can provide an awesome product you can pay your people well um you can partner with people and and do the honorable good thing as a partner um and everybody can can benefit in a business deal i don't know that book really kind of changed my overall abundance man abundance That's dude it's like yeah you, why not do the right thing it, right it can it helps everybody um and deliver an awesome product and uh yeah that's what we do at farwell mini storage of farwell michigan <laughs> love it love it so how can the audience support you uh support you and also how can they connect with you for sure. Yeah. Um, check out the website, uh, investingstorage.com. Um, my email and everything is all, all on the bottom there. Um, so just reach out, email me if needed, investingstorage.com. Um, and then audience can help me. Look, if you're a couple things, one, if you're an accredited investor and you just, you know, want some advice, like reach out and we can chat. Um, there's a lot of different syndications out there. Um, and a lot of, 
there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, and if you just want to chat, for sure, reach out. Um, if you're a first-time self-storage, uh, potential self-storage uh, developer, and you have a property that in mind or you own property and you're looking to build, um, give us a call. You know, Give Ben and I a call or send us an email, investingstorage.com, and uh, we can just w- offer free advice uh, on what to do to move forward. Or um, if you want to partner with us in some way, um, we can figure that out. So, yeah, feel free awesome. to reach out anytime. And, and if you have any um, sicknesses or health issues, just uh, give Jordan a call if you don't feel like going to the the uh, ER, right? That, that's what I do when I'm when I need something. I personal I personal physician services. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, it's been great having you on here. I'm sure we're going to have you on here again. Uh, I would, uh, I'd love to do that. Get some repeat episodes yeah. and talk about different subjects. You and I could talk forever. It could go go on yeah. and on. So uh, hopefully, like we it. added some some value though to the listeners and. They learned a little bit uh, about self-storage today and and business and, and life in general. Um, so thanks for having us on here. And uh, to the next episode, I will uh, talk to you guys later. Have a good one. Thanks, Sean. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot, and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor, and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.